0: Coming to you pre-recorded, from a cramped closet in Las Vegas, Nevada, and a New York City apartment far too close to the street, it's your favorite Millennials with too much time on their hands, welcome to the Red Team Reviews Podcast! Hello! Hello and welcome to the Red Team Reviews Podcast. I am your host, TJ, and I am joined by... Okay, I, there's no way I could keep that up. Uh, but yes, hello! It is, the voice you're hearing currently is the voice of TJ Patrick. Can you guess what we're talking about today? Even though, as I've said before, I mean, you probably should already know, given that you probably selected this episode to listen to but anyway that's neither here nor there i'm tj patrick joined as always by my faithful companion the poe dameron to my fn 2187
1: so uh so here's the thing my girls got me on this today we're gonna be talking about uh (laughs) star wars multi-level coruscant (laughs) marketing where we sell you we sell you kyber crystal imitations kyber that crystal you then imitations. sell to other people. Other people Um and so and so it 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 the money moves upward and eventually, up. you know and eventually there's this guy, he was a Jedi, was. but then like they didn't like him anymore. No, and they- so like he just started to be like, okay, cool, I'm gonna do my own thing. And, like, his, you know, like, my religion is different than your... Anyway, so that's why he knows... Remember that song, Losing
0: Your Religion?
1: he, He knows what the Kyber... He knows the difference of Kyber Crystals, and, like... So that's why he sold them to us to then sell to this other person. He's she's really astute. great. I met her on Tatooine. She's got all these little droids. Occasionally, she's Detail babysitting. Oriented. Apparently, she's babysitting this little green guy every now and then. I'm, imp- I'm oh. implying I, that he's dating Amy Sedaris from Mandalorian. Anyway. <laughs>
0: I got it. I was, I was with you.
1: <laughs> uh, Trevor Catalano, if you have never listened to a Star Wars episode with us, Boy, that (laughs) get ready for some shit. That is uh, a character that I do every time we talk about Star Wars Name three, four, Casablanca. Did you do it for
0: Mandalorian? I forget.
1: I did it once. And then Molly was like, um, and I was like, okay, cool. We'll we'll move on. (laughs) Um,
0: So today we are talking about Rogue One and The Force Awakens. Definitely not two of the most conflicting opinion films in star wars canon definitely not i'm sure this will be a conversation that's real real light and breezy and everything will be pretty straightforward
1: so i i kind of want to just like i want to flash back for a hot sec like sure let's talk about one of my first notes here Or wait no sorry we're going to talk about rogue one but like I'm 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 talking first impressions. Like first impressions, what was your first impression when you knew we were getting a new Star Wars out of The Force Awakens? Like seeing the trailer, what were your feelings about for that?
0: Specifically for Force Awakens?
1: Uh yeah, sure. Cause, I mean cuz yeah, it was the first Star Wars in in what? Uh, about 15, 16 years. Um yeah, it were no, sorry, no, it'd been the first Star Wars in about 10 years cuz 2005 yeah. was was that and 2015 was Force Awakens. It was first Star Wars in ten years. They released a trailer, and like, what were you thinking? What was your expectation going in?
0: Grateful and excited. Good. Okay. All right. I was ready to be hurt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I had not yet grown cynical of the Star Wars brand.
1: <laughs> yeah. That oh no. No. That comes like, later. <laughs> Yeah, no. We again. This I will say this. Like, you know, I'm gonna show my hand early here. These two sure. movies. Rewatching these two movies, like we did, we did episodes way back in December of 2020 on Yikes. the prequels. And having talked about the prequels at nauseum, I was very much like, you know what? I don't think I even like Star Wars anymore. After all this shit, I was like <laughs> after talking about it and going through it, I'm like, do I even like Star Wars? Do I even like it anymore? And these th- like uh, Force Awakens is one of my favorite. But both of these are two of my favorite Star Wars movies. And so I am very different than the current push from Star Wars fans right now in that I was excited about I was excited about Force Awakens when it came out. I didn't know what to think of Rogue One when it came out, and then I really liked it after I saw it. Um, but I was at the I'm at the point where I'm kind of like these are the movies I kind of want to watch if I'm going to watch Star Wars, um, and I still maintain that. Like you know, the the trailer and then the actual moment of sitting in the theater when we this was the year we met each other and you weren't weren't in the same theater, but I was with our friends. And the moment of Star Wars starting on that screen, um, and then getting to watch Force Awakens after I was like, this this is what I want. This is the feeling I want. And then I get it from Marvel movies. So you know,
0: yeah. I mean, the the journey of the Star Wars sequels and the journey of the MCU has been shockingly similar for me, where at first I was just grateful to have them. Then there was all this backlash that I was forced to kind of defend what I thought didn't really need defending on them. And then at some point, I just kind of got burnt out a little bit. I got a little cynical, not nearly to the point of other people, but the... Right amount of cynical to the point of like, okay, I know now if anything genuinely surprises me and makes me happy, it is genuine excitement. It is not being on the bandwagon and it is not tribalism. If anything makes me happy, it deserves to make me happy. And if anything disappoints me, well, I don't, I no longer have that personal attachment where it'll really hurt. It'll just be like, well, that sucked. Okay moving on and that's kind of that's kind of how I am with star wars as well now but we'll talk about that journey more and more as it becomes more and more relevant to the movies we talk about and we will talk about that fucking movie
1: yep Yep, 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 yep. But yep, yep. Now, But I mean, it even extends to... It even extends to the fact that, like, I watched The Book of Boba Fett, and there were a lot of people going, like, shit over it, but I was very much just like, guys, this is kind of boring. Like, there's a lot of commentary on that, because I'm only saying this because I think we will never cover that show. There is no reason for us I to cover that show. If I have anything to say about you it, we watch, will not cover that show, no. Yeah, no, we're probably not going to cover that show. Um, like... The joke online is that, like, oh, Boba Fett isn't even the most interesting character in his own TV show. Because there's an entire episode that's just Grogu and Mando. And, like, talking about where they've been at. And and then they both enter the story of that. And I'm like, cool, so it's just Mandalorian Season 3? That's what it is. Because you suddenly... I suddenly give no fucks about Boba Fett. And Star Wars has these problems. I was like, why couldn't we just get a Boba Fett series that just dealt with Boba Fett you didn't even have to continue you didn't even have to continue the story from Mandalorian you could have told a completely different story from his life because clearly you have Clone Wars shit and it could have been great and that's you you didn't choose to do that you just kept going with Mandalorian I'm like you could have just incorporated this part of his story into the next it's stupid and Star Wars does those stupid things
0: but I am gonna make a point to stop you on this right now because, kay. boy, we have two very loaded discussions.
1: Yeah, okay, 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 um, okay, okay, okay.
0: So we're going to start not with The Force Awakens, even though we typically default to chronological. We are going to start with Rogue One. Uh, For many reasons. It leads into the original, so technically it comes in canon before Force Awakens. And also, I mean, we're also just going to, with the exception of, one that you can probably guess is going to come up in a little bit after this episode. Uh, We're basically just going to finish out the sequel trilogy over the next few months. So I'd rather like make that train start rolling at the end of this episode. So we're going to start with Rogue One. Um, Do we want to start with first thoughts or just overall based on this viewing?
1: Um, I, i'll be honest like i have most of my notes for force awakens like i i am acting very much that's also why from yeah yeah i'm i am very much acting from like i like what rogue one does as a concept um it, within star wars and so like that's most of what i'm gonna talk about i don't really have it like this one it's one of those things where it's like I really am going to stand by what I think it does for the franchise and for and as itself as a movie. But I, and the more I rewatch it, the more I'm kind of like, okay, like the moments just don't feel as fresh anymore. And I'm okay with that. Um, so like that's, that's kind of like my, in, the entirety of my thoughts on, on Rogue One in non specifics. Like I'll go into specifics when we talk about it, but I don't really have that many notes.
0: Um, I remember specifically exactly where I was at, what the context was when I first watched Rogue One. Uh, I won't get into it for reasons, but essentially it was okay. That was my thought when I first saw it. I was just like, it was okay. Like, I really had no strong opinions of it. Either way, it was pretty inoffensive, yada, yada, yada. Since then, I've heard people say it was a huge mistake. I've heard people say it's one of their favorites. I've heard so much on either end of this spectrum that I was like, I gotta rewatch this movie at some point. Like, something... Something clearly was missed the first time I watched it. And spoiler alert, no, not much was lost. I I more or less had the same reaction when I rewatched it now. It's just that now I have very specific notes to talk about. But my thought on watching it now is largely like, it's flawed. Now, I instead of saying it's okay, now I would say it's flawed. But is it the... It's not even like in the bottom three worst Star Wars movies. Absolutely. Um, I don't even know if it's in, even in the bottom five. So it's like, is it bad? No. Is it good? No. But... <laughs> <laughs> well, let's... Well, let's talk about it. So, Rogue One, do you have any preference on uh, story recap? Uh, No, I don't. Um, Then, fuck, what did I get myself into? I guess I will do Rogue One. Fuck. Okay. Because I just, I know there's one of these that I actually care about, and I'm like, so why are you taking the story for the one you don't? But- I mean, okay. I think also Rogue One is the yeah. We're
1: all asking that same question there, bud. Like <laughs> Rogue
0: One is for a recap. I think Rogue One is just easier to do though. So basically, our hero this time around in this latest chapter of Star Wars bullshit is Jin Urso. Jin Erso is the daughter of Galen Erso. Galen Urso created, or at least was very instrumental in creating the Death Star.
1: He was one of the engineers that, that that something about it, something about it that they don't quite talk about, couldn't be done without him.
0: Right. Um. So it is established later on, but I'll bring it up here because why not? Uh, it's established that he worked for the Empire. He was kind of a big shot, kind of a really, really important guy. And then at some point... He took his family and said, "I'm tired of this shit." And they became farmers, humble farmers, and tried to escape the empire. Spoilers: the uh, the empire tracks them down because, of course, they did. Um, Jin is given to the custody of Sa Guerrera, this guy, and uh, her mom dies defiantly. And her dad is taken back to forcibly work for the empire because you can be sure that people who are working against their will will put in the best work for your organization. Um, Looking at you, fascists. We flash forward uh, 15 years to the day. No, I'm kidding. Uh, We flash forward 15 years and the rebellion breaks Jin out of prison. Great. This is because they need to talk to Saw Gerrera. Uh, And so they basically break Jin out to go, hey, if we literally just hold you in front of us like a mask, I think Saw Gerrera won't immediately kill us. And they ask Jin if she will help them. But literally, her options are help them or go back to jail. So it's not a choice. It's an ultimatum. It's an ultimatum. Uh the person that is primarily going to be working with Jin is Cassian. And Cassian is given conflicting orders or I should say different orders than Jin is aware of. He is told to okay, I'm sorry. Oh, I'm sorry. I should be telling this logically, not the way the movie does. So basically, they're going to saw to find Galen. That's why they're going to Saw. They're specifically only going to Saw to get to Galen. Oh, and also, uh, Galen helped a pilot uh, defect from the Empire. So there's a defecting pilot that knows where Galen is and has a transmission from Galen who goes to Saw first. So Saw now both knows where Galen is and has the transmission but he didn't have those two things at the same time. Uh fuck. And so Cassian gets different orders to once they finally find Galen to kill Galen even though they're going to see Saw, not Galen, but they're going to tell him now. Mhm. So, they go to Jeddah City where Saw I don't
1: think you should have done this one. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> what you don't like John Mulaney's version of
1: Rogue One <laughs> no because I think that like you can make commentary about the confusingness of the way they chose to do the plot without actually confusing our listeners
0: <laughs> so they go to the Jetta City where Saw is not but they're trying to find Saw supporters they do then they see Saw <laughs> I didn't do that on purpose I'm so sorry <laughs> um Meanwhile, uh, no, 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 no. In the, in the interest of preserving our listeners, I will not talk about the thing with the pilot. So Jin seesaw. You
1: talking about the octopus uh, thing?
0: Yeah. I'm not going to talk about it now because I'm just, I'm just going to try and get to the plot. Um, but then they together watched the transmission from Galen, which is basically only a transmission for Jin. Uh, and then finally, after the whole emotions and stuff, uh, he finally says the one thing they really need to know, which is that there's a weakness in the new. T- oh, there's a Death Star, and there's a weakness that I built into it. This is the weakness. But only Saw and Jin see that message. Then Saw leaves himself to die because he's tired of his withered existence. And so Jin is the only one with this information, and they don't know the, you know. Cassian and the stragglers they picked up one of them being Donnie Yen who is too good for this role I'm sorry Uh, and so they just have to take Jin's word and seeing as how this is all about her father there's reason to think that she might not be a reliable transmitter of information even though we as the audience know she's telling the truth so they go to where Galen is And Cassian does not kill her father. Important. But, due to a miscommunication, the rebels kill Galen instead. Uh Uh-oh. And then, psych, none of that matters, because the next time we see Jin, after her little tiff with Cassian about, you were trying to kill my dad. And he was like, well, yeah, but we all had to do shitty things, so it's fine. Uh the next time we see Jin she's all about the rebellion. She's like come on guys we got to we got to go do this rebellion thing. And everyone there's a council there's a because of course there is there's always a fucking council that doesn't know what they're doing and the council has no faith because the empire has a death star and they're all scared. And Jin very helpfully points out that yeah but they already have a death star so you might as well at least try to fuck up the death star otherwise they're just gonna have a death star so most people go they throw their hands up and go ah what are you gonna do and then some handful of people led by cassian go we're gonna do something about it with you so they try and do this secret black ops rogue one mission and they succeed And I put it that you you did that so badly, and i I did it this way i I ended it that way because literally there is a point once the third act starts, there's no more plot, there's no more development, like it really is just they try to do the mission and then they succeed, like yeah, all right, it's just a really long action sequence after after that,
1: okay, so here's the deal we can talk about. The ins and outs of finding Sagarura and who got what missions and that being infusing. But at the end of the day, I won't stand for the complaint of this. The ending being the action sequence, because at the end of the day, I say it was a complaint. OK, all right, all right, all right. I'm just pointing it out <laughs> at the end of the day. If you the concept of the movie is who are the people who got them the Death Star plans and what is their story? And that's one of the crucial things that like throughout watching this movie or hearing about this movie or talking about this movie after the fact that I think is a really cool way to go about telling a story in Star Wars. Um, I think it's I think it's a really interesting way because then especially with the fact that you cast, um, you know, that you not a single main character is a white man. Um, In fact, all the villains are white men. Um, I guess, I mean, I guess, yes, Galen or so as bad as but that, I feel like that doesn't count by comparison. Um, and also isn't Jin white, white man. I said, white man. Oh, 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 um, no, it's still star Wars. They're still going to be like that, but yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, but the, the fact that, and then the fact that like a lot of people, when they got to the end of this movie were like, everyone dies, what was the point? And I'm like, no, no, no. Cause that is kind of the point. It's these are the people, people who had to sacrifice that don't know how stories work. Yeah. Cause the whole thing is like, because the way that this fits into everything, like you'd have to read a, you'd have to read kind a bunch of shit, which I'm glad they didn't do. And B like the whole point is that like, these people all gave up everything. And that's a line I believe in new hope or it's like this team gave up everything to give us these plans. And so this is the team full of people who are by parallel in our own world of demographics that are typically downtrodden sacrificing everything for the benefit for the betterment of the galaxy. And so despite all those loops and turns and like frustrations that we're about to talk about, like at the end of the day, that's to me what makes rogue one, one of the better star Wars movies is that it's like the setting is star Wars. The setting is that galaxy, but the story itself has a lot more resonance than some other star Wars stories. I mean, fair. Yeah. So, let's keep going. We won't get into. What about this do you want to get into?
0: (laughs) Boy, where to fucking start. Okay, so, boy, oh, boy, oh, boy, oh, boy, oh, boy. Okay, I'm going to read this uh, more or less, I'm going to read my notes more or less verbatim because I wrote them very conversationally. Uh, I've written, okay, so, Starting with childhood is fine, but we don't actually learn anything about Jin. It's just exposition for the plot. The person that gets the most characterization in this opening scene is the mom, and she immediately dies. Then we jump forward, like, 15 years or so, only to then establish two more characters, this being Cassian and Cassian's informant. Uh, Then we go back to Jin again, and still have no clue who this person is
1: so that's the first thing i mean given it's star wars you are gonna rely on a little bit of archetype i mean what archetype the uh, yeah you're right <laughs> that works better for Ca- that works better for cassian works, and some of the other characters <laughs> yeah i was gonna say it worked for cassian it work. it works for donnie yen's character it works for yeah. his counterpart it works for Ben Mendelsohn, it works for it works for. Yeah. So I guess I guess this is probably leading up to one of your notes, which is that like, yeah, Jin is the one character who is kind of the self insert is kind of the Neo of the of the whole plot,
0: which is just a baffling decision because they're telling a very specific story about a very specific group of people. I think you can afford to give your main character a specific personality, like
1: yeah. I mean, she she gets to be the obstinate, like headstrong girl in a many ways. Who's like, I'm just in this for my father. I just want to see my father. I don't believe in any of this. And then I guess over the course of the movie, she does start to believe in it because she does get to echo back the message of the film, which is rebellions are built on hope. We need to give other people <sighs> hope, even if we lose everything. Um, I stand by that.
0: I like, like when Cassian message, echoes it back to her. The message is fine. It's the it's the it's it's the way they just John Henry the fucking nail into this thing of just like
1: okay <laughs> oh see hey you you didn't totally lose all your Black History Month stuff. This is March. You get a John Henry. You get a John Henry reference. I don't know. <laughs> I need to tell you what Greenwood, Oklahoma was, okay? Um, Just
0: because, well, yeah, because who? what school is going to teach? Anyway. Anyway. Um, <laughs> so, okay. So I realized that I started, <laughs> I started the next note with that exact, so okay. Um, all right. I guess I'll keep going because otherwise we'll be here forever. Yeah. Uh, so okay, we're getting a lot of information, but no sense of character. We know Cass is pretty ruthless when called to do so, and maybe doesn't enjoy killing. But then we're told that he doesn't necessarily agree with bringing Jin on the mission to Jetta City. But we're told that by K two S O. So it's like it's clumsy. It's like it's clunky because the alternate to this is having a conversation between Cassian and Jin that establishes that but instead we just have the droid go oh you know that guy yeah he doesn't want you here what <laughs>
1: Also, I mean, why? I mean, like, I like K2SO.
0: I'm not going to. Well, yeah. K2SO is probably my favorite character in the movie, but that's not saying much.
1: I mean, it's also you, so, I mean, I get it. What does that uh, mean? Uh, you would like K2SO the best. I didn't have much choice. <laughs> 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 Nobody <laughs>
0: else has that strong of a character except. <laughs> 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 Donnie Yen? But, like. That's just cheating. You're using Donnie Yen. So, (laughs) I only remotely care because it's Donnie Yen. (laughs) Also, once you've watched Avatar. Here we go. The blind, amazing fighter is just kind of like, yeah, I mean, I have seen it before. So, here we go. I'm just saying. (laughs) Um... Jin still has no discernible personality, even after a scene rife with opportunities to not only demonstrate that, but to also potentially foreshadow themes in Last Jedi, for instance. They're putting Jin in a no-win scenario for her with no choice, just like the Empire does. The, oh, I mean... Th- They're talking about the Rebels,
1: so... This is something we talk about, though, in that, like, Star Wars sometimes tries to do Marvel shit, where they're like, oh, but that's that whole theme is going to be covered in another movie. And I'm like, but you don't really. Or you just never get around to making it. So, like, yeah, the the concept that you could even, like, hint at things in The Last Jedi, I'm like, I'm just like, I don't want my Star Wars to hint at things in other movies, honestly. I, I don't want them to do that anymore.
0: All I'm saying is that, like, nothing is really made about the... Like, that whole interrogation scene, quote-unquote, with Jin is just barren it's barren for so many things because i'm like well i'm not oh okay i do point point this out in the rest of my notes i'll just finish the note uh they are the rebels are putting jane in a no-win scenario for her with no choice just like the empire would a smart character would point this out a character who's been around the block a few times might scoff at their antics or their tactics i should say forcing them to drop the facade and just be straight with her. A paragon would be up front about doing the right thing, challenging them and their tactics and uh oh, and rightfully questioning whether Saw has actually become extremist or if they have become extremist, maybe wondering out loud what even constitutes an extremist in this context against the empire. But Jin doesn't do any of these things. She just kind of like gets talked at for a while. And then they go on and do the mission because she doesn't really have any choice. That's what I'm saying. Where it's just like, yeah, if there was more give and take in this interrogation scene, you could have shown some semblance of character. But
1: there, and there, and there, kind of, kind of, ain't any. Like, I mean, uh, yeah, I'll give you, I'll give you that. In that, like, because yeah, again, all those things would be wonderful themes to talk about in this movie in particular.
0: Yeah, because especially the way this movie goes into act three with the supposed council not agreeing and shit, it's it's a valid point to go like, you know, well, okay, guys, you kidnap me and you give me an ultimatum to help you or to go back and rot. That sounds like something the Empire would do and then when i give you the chance to rebel you're not even rebelling properly so it's like what are you what are we even doing here guys
1: yeah i think that this i think this movie especially because we spend so much time in star wars being like yeah the rebels the rebels are the good ones in yababa yeah, and there's always that spirit of overcoming the oppressive force but then like this is an opportunity for us to go well wait wait well what constitutes a rebel and what are like what are the traits associated with that that make it that make them the heroes and they don't really get into that in the same way all they do is talk about the nature of rebellions and the nature of like the struggle but they don't talk about the nature of those who are struggling
0: yeah and like they do the typical star wars thing where they love to throw around this word hope a bunch but Mm -hmm. i could probably count on one hand all the characters in the saga and spinoffs that like actually just demonstrate it actually just show that quality that eternal optimist or the paragon fighting for right at all cost thing. There aren't a lot of those characters, even though they love to throw around this word hope all the time, which is odd. You'd think they would do that more, but I don't know why they don't (laughs) until, but we'll get to
1: that. Um, George Lucas built this in a cave. The box of scraps <laughs> with an old typewriter
0: <laughs> uh, <laughs> on a drunken Saturday afternoon.
1: OK, um, did I tell I you I almost locked him in a in a hallway anyway? Yes, yes, we're all aware. <laughs> he was very uh, mad at me. I can see it in his face.
0: Uh, my next note, everyone is miserable. LMAO. Uh the note after that. Uh oh, I think that's a little bit more of a nitpick. Oh, but within that nitpick is uh Cass and Jin have zero relationship going into their first mission together. So, what's that about?
1: Like I mean, weird. I think I think that's just like you chose to do a movie where most people don't know each other going in, and so well, you can, no, no, you
0: can have a dynamic with somebody without that you just met. You can have a dynamic with somebody that you just met. Like, but that's the thing. It's like, basically, a lot of my notes will kind of U-turn back to this central point about this movie, which is that nobody really has that loud or big or notable of a personality, really. They have things they do. They have things they might believe. Excuse me. But a lot of great character interaction comes from a loud person and a quiet person or like a person that believes in the cause versus a skeptic. Literally, and this is a rare time where I will actually say a good thing about a new hope. Uh, literally, the one of the few good things they do with Luke is putting him against Han later, later in the movie when they actually give him a personality, which is where they're arguing about what to do and Han is a pragmatist and is cynical about the way the world works and it's just like look kid there's nothing more we can do and Luke is like we have to do something like that's how you get good character dynamics but you can't get any of that here because nobody's big enough to do that
1: Cass might have I wonder if part of that is less about them not being big enough. I mean, they're not that big. I'll say that. But like, I I wonder if that's less a problem of that and more a problem of like, we're doing a very specific thing by just focusing on Cassian. For a moment, because we're going to put this this man like their whole conceit with him is this is a guy who's been in this for a long time. He's very good at what he does, and so he's not going to play well with others who are completely green because he's already had to sacrifice a lot. And then you have this other thing going on with Jin, uh, with Jin, who is very much just like, I don't care about anybody else but myself, and that is my entire character arc. And they spent more time developing them individually without letting them develop on top of each other.
0: Which, can I just take a quick side note to go, why does Jin not care about any of this? She seems like the person that's most affected by the Empire in this movie that we've at least seen. Like, we get lip service about Cassian's involvement, but like, we literally see Jin's entire world being turned upside down by the Empire. So, why does she not hate the Empire? That's just kind of weird to me.
1: Yeah, it's almost like, like, I I wonder how a screen one of the screenwriters would answer that being like, well, no, she just has a problem with everybody. And I'm like, that's kind of a cop out.
0: Why would she have a problem with the rebellion? Why wouldn't she? Because like, again, I could come up with an answer but that's the movie didn't give me that answer it's me coming up with an answer right
1: like could i could i make uh you know could i ex- uh, expound upon the ways in which factions within the democratic party don't like each other sure or think each other's full of shit sure but that's not what the movie is supposed to do nor is it that kind of movie
0: also this is another thing that benefits by just spending more time with jin before the plot starts to demonstrate what type of person she is Because if you establish that, you know, however way you want to establish it, that, well, I used to you know, want desperately to fight the Empire. I used to be really driven and all about the cause, but that was before there was a rebellion. That was before anyone was actually doing anything. And it was just me and my stupid hopes and my stupid dreams about seeing my father again. And I watched slowly as every friend I made, every contact I I had either died or they got extreme. They became a radical, like Saw Gerrera. And even he, when ch- when given the choice between me or his precious fight, chose his fight. So, you know what? Now, fuck it. I don't care. But Now there is a rebellion, and I don't care. Where were they when I was wandering the fields on my own? Where were they when I was in the mud? Where was everyone when the Empire even took power? Like, th- there's stuff that you could just do to give Jin an actual point of view about anything. And then you can fall back on the line of, like, I don't care one way or the other. But, like, to never give us anything (laughs) is just kind of like, like you said, it's a cop-out. Like, you gotta gotta give us something, especially with the main character. Like, one thing that's really unforgivable is that we don't even know what her relationship is with Saw until they just say it. ...in a dialogue between Jin and Saw... ...after they've already reunited. Whereas... ...a competent version of this script... ...would have at least hinted... ...at what had happened first. Like, hint that Jin doesn't want to see Saw... ...or hint that Jin would love to see Saw... ...to give her a piece of her mind... ...or something... So that we have some form of expectation when they go, all right, you're going to go see Saw. But the way it is now, we're just kind of going like, uh, how's this going to go? Which is, I, which is not the the optimal way to write scripts. Like they kind of thrive on audience engagement, mainly coming in the form of Expectation and either subverting or confirming those expectations, so...
1: Yeah, fair. No, no complaints.
0: I don't like when you do this thing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just like, I talk for hours, <laughs> and in my head, I'm just like, I'm sure that everyone, including my co-host, is waiting for me to shut the fuck up.
1: <laughs> no! No! <laughs>
0: <laughs> um i guess i might as well move on to my next note because it is a, a, a doozy um i have written here and i have at this point i've seen i haven't done my usual thing because we were gonna record one day and we ended up recording a different every day but like i saw this movie a couple days ago so i'm not as fresh uh, a better version of this movie would have had a longer childhood scene, foreshadowing either a juxtaposition or natural growth of Jin's character, and establishing her relationship with Galen, like specifically, like, is it a good one? Is it a kind of strained one? Whatever. Then we should jump not to Jin, but to Cass, uh, Cassian, and company trying to get an audience with Saw and failing. Losing the defected pilot in the process, this would then prompt them to find Jin, who should at least have some thoughts and feelings about the mission and about seeing Saw again. And she should decide whether or not to go with them due to something within her character, not because she's forced to. And she should have a clear dynamic with Cassian, which is all stuff that I've said, basically.
1: Yeah. I'm following. Uh, the I next... don't know why I've become this little, like, Dutch I don't know. <sighs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, you I don't am say. All, I, I also do business on Mustafa.
0: <laughs> Just the Willy Wonka <laughs> meme, but this voice going, on. Oh, really? <laughs> God. I'm Yan Catalan. At some point we do have to talk about Willy Wonka. Jesus Christ, the list goes <laughs> evermore. Yep. Um My next note, this movie has inherited a problem from episode four. Who in the fuck is this Senate when the Empire exists? And why is it still here if Palpatine is Emperor? Why is it needed? Why are they in opposition of each other? This is a thing that I wouldn't care. I wouldn't. I really I swear to God, I would not care about this. But there are lines in both this movie and A New Hope that are like, whoa, you know, we have to be real careful of how we do this because of the Senate. And I'm like, wasn't all of episode three about essentially overthrowing the Senate?
1: No, so, I mean, I'll defend that just logistically. Like, rebellions do have governments. Like, that's... You know, even in the American Revolution, there was a Continental Congress who was in charge of making decisions and collecting money.
0: I mean, yeah, that that's all well and good. My question is, why are they in conflict with each other, it seems like? Oh, I don't know. Yeah. that. <laughs> 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 like, I don't want this to turn into Phantom Menace in terms of politics talk, but, like, give me an idea of, like... What your obstacle is or what you're trying to if you have to do things a certain way, expound on it for me because otherwise, I'm just gonna call it script bullshit. I'm gonna call it the writer just going well, we can't just have them go blowing around planets, so let's create some dumbass excuse why they can't just do that like. Until you give me an, an actual kind of feasible explanation, that's what I'm just going to default to because I have no other... I have another, no other thing. Uh, the first rendition of the Rebellion is built on Hopeline is clunky. Uh, I wrote here, it takes them 12 minutes just to get captured on Jeddah City. Which... I never really thought about that scene being long until I watched it now. And I was just like, boy, this scene is, boy, this scene is kind of long for some reason. Like they want to find Saw's extremists, but then they just kind of wander around the city for a bit. And then a battle breaks out. Then it feels like a whole other thing breaks out. And then the extremists show up. And I'm just like, I feel like this could have been streamlined a little bit. Like, fuck
1: yeah they have the whole run-in with the empire and it feels like it's only there maybe to set up the first use of like the preliminary death star um to just blow up the city um i i feel like they maybe wanted to spend a lot of time with a a, a planet named Jeddah because of like the jedi connection and things like that oh. but actually something that do- well something that bothers me about this one is that like is that when in cuz Force Awakens came out before this and they they explicitly say Luke was looking for the first Jedi temple why is the first Jedi temple not on Jeddah, if they're named the Jedi uh. That's always bothered me. I'm like, why are these two separate locations but all but seem to have the same relevance to the Jedi culture? I don't understand. Uh,
0: I will play anyway. very soft devil's advocate here and say that we do get that information from Han, and even he goes, the people that know him best assumed that that's what he was doing. Okay. So but even then, he had, the on, he had the sacred Jedi text on... ...type
1: stuff. On Octo. he had the sacred Jedi text, and so, like... Is that the name of the planet? I don't care. Actually, you know, I don't even care. Um, <laughs> Octo does sound familiar, though. I will give you that. It's from something. Uh, it's like it's, it's from like something. It's like there's like Octo and then Io Do or something like that. Like they're and they're both from different <laughs> franchises. Um, and so yeah, somebody's gonna be sitting there screaming like, "What? What do you mean? It's Xandar. It's the Kree." And I'm like, "That's uh, whatever. It's the Green Lantern." And I'm like, "Shut up." Um <laughs> anyway um
0: uh <laughs> I'm trying desperately cuz I I I did my subtle jab at Seth Rogen's laugh and now I have to try and not reference that thing we both saw. Um can you guess when we recorded this? Uh I don't know what this movie wants to convey or make me feel if Jin's family was destroyed because of the Empire, why does she not hate the Empire? Why would she side-eye the rebellion so hard? We need an actual stated reason. Maybe her mom dying because of rebelling made her resent futile rebellions. Maybe her self maybe her selfishness, uh maybe she became selfish so as to not process the trauma that's me grasping at straws, but nothing about the character suggests any of that. It's just me assuming.
1: Yeah, it it does feel like it's kind of the generic, like, I don't need anybody because I've been alone.
0: Which even the last time we saw her as a kid, she's not alone. She's with Saw. They just jump so far into the future that she's not with them anymore. And then they don't say, they don't show what, have we got another movie? Poor man. <laughs> This is specifically about the transmission that they work so hard to find. Uh, poor Mad sounds like he's speed reading this emotional exposition dump off a teleprompter.
1: I mean, he's... he does. Maybe that's an acting choice on Mads Mickelson's part where it's like, you know, they told him, hey, you got to get this message out. This is your last chance. Now go act. And he probably made that choice. So
0: I would have much preferred. One of two things. One, if first he addresses Saw, gets all the plot relevant stuff out of the way, then goes, and if Jin is there, then do all this other shit. Or have two. <laughs> I just realized I'm about to reference something that nobody is is, is familiar with. Just have fl- Just get two flash drives. Get two flash drives. Uh.
1: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like have like... a separate one that's like, oh, and he also left this one.
0: Right. Like, damn. Um, The actual Death Star sequence was pretty good, intercutting the message and the firing. That was actually very good. Um, The dialogue is all hushed whispers and mutterings. Everyone has the same earnest vibe. No one, save for the droid, has any flair or tics or personality. That's all stuff that I've been already saying. Um, this is the last note I had because, I mean, I didn't bother taking notes on this whole thing of them killing Galen because it never, nothing really comes of it. There's no consequence of it. They have one argument about it and then Jin does a 180 that I'm about to talk about right now. So this is the last note I have. And then this is where I get more of my thing of like, the rest of the movie is just a very long set of action sequences. So... Not much for me to really dig into here in terms of, like, this podcast. Um, Jin straight up becomes a different character when arguing with the council. Also, there's a council. Why is every council bad? Why does the rebellion not rebel? Even if they lose some support, there is zero reason why they should have to go rogue when there's a rebellion. Like...
1: It's self. So, I mean, no me. self-preservation. I mean, yeah, I get it. It's one of those things where it's like you know, governments have done, <laughs> governments have done more, uh, done less in the name of self-preservation.
0: But here's the thing: I don't care that people don't do the dangerous mission because it's dangerous. As long as the rebellion is still a rebellion, like you can have the whole you. You could actually have kind of a very sincere like who's with me rah rah speech and then have people kind of slowly just kind of back away and like leave and then you can have your like Cassian pipe up and you can have you know people join because of his words and then you can have Mon Mothma like say something and like reestablish like what are we if not a rebellion or some shit like that as long, like, you could have people leave because it's dangerous. That's not really what I'm complaining about. I'm complaining about the fact that, like, and like I said earlier, Jin does point out that, I think Jin points it out, or if she doesn't, then I'm definitely going to, of, like, so you're saying that you're afraid of the Death Star, but by doing nothing, you're going to ensure that they keep that Death Star. So, I mean, you're kind of doing a self-fulfilling prophecy here, my guy. It's It will only be a matter of time until they come for you as well. So, <laughs> what's the plan here? <laughs> um. Also, I think it would have been nice. I think it would have been nice in a Rogue One movie, a movie very specifically only about the Rebellion and not the Skywalkers, to have a unified Rebellion. I mean, that's just me. Like, because you're never really going to get it again. Felt like this was the main time to establish that, like, even though the Rebellion was small, it was united. It was strong. Like, but they don't really do that, do they?
1: (laughs) I mean, I guess what they're trying to say is that like the rebellion wasn't always this solid thing, because I think maybe they're operating under the assumption that in the Skywalker saga, the rebellion is solid and working fine. And so I think that maybe that's just us kind of knowing the thing a little bit better. But then again, you know, so does most Star Wars audiences. But I do want to kind of harp on something you just brought up where it's like this is one of the this is possibly or this is the first Star Wars movie we ever got. excuse me. This is the first Star Wars movie we ever got that wasn't about the Skywalkers. And I think that like the success of this movie is half the reason that people agree to be like, cool. Yeah, we can keep going with this franchise and we don't have to base it all around this one family. Now, did they take their own advice when it comes to making the next two movies? No, they did not. Um, after they made this one, because this this did come out before Last Jedi, right?
0: It was literally yeah, The Force Awakens, Rogue One, Last Jedi.
1: Okay, yeah. No, I think I mean the, the this is half the reason that they could make The Mandalorian in the first place for those who love The Mandalorian uh, is because they could go okay, cool, we can we can take a breath and we cannot do Skywalker's anymore. And I I think they did a really good job. And like one of the big discourses online now after after having these big three movie chunks, these big three movie chunks where. This is, like, oh, this is, like, the pre-Clone War era, era, and then the TV shows do the Clone Wars, and then this is the Rebellion era, and then this is the Resistance era. And, like, the most interesting parts of Star Wars to fans nowadays are the pre-Rebellion era, like, the onset of the Empire like just as the rebellion is forming and the post empire, which is why people are so fascinated with the direct fallout moments that the Mandalorian takes care of. And like, those are some of the most, after seeing the monoliths that are these other phases, like those are the most interesting parts of like the overall interconnectivity of the story and places where you have room to play of like, Oh, well, how did that come about? Maybe let's tell a really interesting story to, show you how that happened. And so I think that's one of the better, I think that's one of the, the successes of this movie is that it tapped into something I don't think a lot of people even realized that they wanted, which was, or maybe they did want it, but it, it tapped into something that people had been wanting, which is a good story about some new, fresh characters about something that is relevant to the larger story.
0: Yeah, I can attest to being one of the people that does, did and does really
1: want that. Um, but good. Um, and it's, and it's not that I have to like get. Every single Easter egg or every single question answered. I think that's the, the, a, a poor way to go about it because there are people out there who are like, well, now we need a movie about this because I, I don't know how that's happening and they're not explicit about it. And I'm like, OK, that's not that's not what anyone should do. We shouldn't no. just make a movie for every last little bit of thing that actually gets rid of some of the ability for people to tell a story because part of telling a story is leaving things out. Um, but I think this, you know, if we're kind of wrapping this up, I think that between that, I like a lot of the characters, um, even though like, you know, even though Jin has that, that hurdle to overcome Cassian and is fascinating enough. And the concept of him being so deep in the rebellion is good enough to where they're now going to make a show for him. And I'm kind of like, okay, cool. Not one of my first picks, but I'm interested. Um, and Yeah. So the, the cast of characters in their moments that they have in this short film, in this, you know, all, all things considered, it is a long film, but it is a short, a short history for these characters in a world full of long histories of characters, unless you're like Qui Gon Jin. Um, but yeah, I, I, I think this has a lot of, a lot of small on the surface successes, even if after you look at it for more than, you know, three seconds, some of the things start to make you cock your head.
0: And I would ordinarily keep going but we have an episode 7.
1: Okay. How you feeling?
0: I like I I've gone a very long time uh without writing a lot of notes for these movies. I think the one that I wrote the most notes for uh, before this episode was probably Transformers last year. Uh, that's just really because like I knew that was going to happen. I hadn't seen Rogue One, I think, since the first time I saw it. And I hadn't seen The Force Awakens in years. Probably... I I probably had seen it after I had seen it in theaters a couple times, but I don't really have strong memories of specifics of that. So these were two movies that while I knew I had seen them, like they were as fresh as they could probably be for me. Same thing going forward with the next few Star Wars stuff we're going to talk about the movies. Um, So it's more so just that, like, I had a lot of
1: notes
0: (laughs) for that one and also for this one. Although the vibe is kind of different now, because unlike when I first saw Rogue One and I was just like, it's all right, I guess. When I first saw The Force Awakens, I was satisfied. I was like, all right, I'm in. You got me.
1: It's the nostalgia.
0: It really wasn't.
1: For most people, it is.
0: Like, it really, 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 really wasn't for me. Which will become a thing as we talk about this movie. Um. But, like, I think to piggyback of, off what you said earlier, for me, it was the feeling of, like, I finally was able to sit down and watch a Star Wars movie and go, like, ah. <sighs> okay, this is what I want Star Wars to be. Like, I don't want the Shakespearean prose. I don't give a shit about your whiny entitled farm boys that are self-inserts for a bunch of white kids in the 70s. This is my Star Wars, That I'm like, good. Now just keep doing this but better. That was basically my whole thing with the force awakens. After I saw it, I was just like, just, just, just go, just, just keep doing it. Just more of this, more of this, please. And someone got that memo. And then ironically, the person that did this fucking move. I, Oh, I have to keep it. I have to. Ooh.
1: Yeah. Most of the problems with this movie are JJ J. Abrams things. In my opinion, I,
0: I, I feel I feel the rage building, and it will build over the next few months. Yes, <sighs>
1: let your anger grow. Very fitting
0: that you quote him. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, yep. the Force Awakens. This did come out when we, the first year we knew each other. Yep. Um. I get, yeah. I guess this is still part. This is still part of the stuff before we talk about the actual story. So, uh, fun fact: I had a girlfriend at the time. Shocking, I know. Uh, I had a girlfriend at the time who was a Lord of the Rings diehard and therefore never really watched Star Wars at all. And once a month, every month before Star Wars came out, we watched a star a Star Wars movie. To catch her up and to reacquaint myself before this movie came out. And it was an eye-opening experience. This is where I got the first inkling of, like, huh. I guess A New Hope is really boring, huh? Uh Uh-huh. And where I really, really honest to God realized that I despise Attack of the, Cl- of the Clones with all of my heart and soul. It is one of the worst things I've ever experienced. Take it away from me. Uh, <laughs> was in those watch sessions. And miraculously, yeah, when we both walked out of the movie theater, having seen The Force Awakens, even a non-Star Wars fan was like, it was pretty good. I mean, I think it was definitely built that way.
1: I think the Force Awakens is absolutely built for a more contemporary audience, who was good. just coming in casually. Good. Yeah.
0: <laughs> this is a good thing. It's one of the few times I'll say that, by the way. <laughs> um,
1: I guess would you would you like to do the
0: story for this one?
1: Yeah. So, we open on uh, you know, the crawl. And we learn that Luke Skywalker has disappeared and that there's this neo-Nazi group uh, who called the First Order, who is essentially the Empire stand-in. They're trying to rebuild the Empire after it's been gone for about 30 years. And Luke's nowhere to be found. And there's a resistance that's – they never really explain their relationship to the new Galactic Republic. It's like it seems like it's like, oh, well, the Republic can't like deliberately denounce the First Order. Sounds familiar, right? you know a government that can't deliberately denounce which why their government can't deliberately announce uh votes i guess i don't know um this seems more transparent than our real life when people don't it's it, i i can at least connect the dots as to why people don't denounce neo-nazis in real life because they want them to vote for them but in this i'm like what do you care these guys don't even have like a home planet that they call this thing And, you know, I think when you get an empire with that much firepower, you're more or less just like, well, I guess there's a group of them over there who are always going to be pointing a gun at me. So I guess the resistance has to like covertly resist them. I don't know. I've never understood the resistance. I think this is one of the major flaws of the actual sequel trilogy in that it's like, hey, you set them up as this group that feels like the rebels. But in theory, they are the new status quo. And so you need to deal with that anyway. um, First Order shows up. And led by Kylo Ren, and we open on, uh, you know, a scene on Jakku, which is essentially another Tatooine, uh, desert planet, where Poe Dameron, the new ace pilot played by Oscar Isaac, um, is getting the plan, getting a map. To, or what he realizes later is a map to Luke Skywalker, but apparently at this point we just think it's intelligence. Kylo Ren shows up with a bunch of stormtroopers, and they are really brutal. They're gonna kill everybody in the village after they get what they want. They kill the, the informant who's like vaguely knows Leia. Leia and they, you know, talk about that for a hot sec, and then Poe gives his droid BB-8. Uh, the plans and it has BB-8 run away. Poe is captured. We go back uh, somewhere along the way. One of the stormtroopers in that group is a little bit traumatized by the experience. We find out that that character is Finn. He has been raised since birth to be a stormtrooper, but he has never actually been in battle until this point, and he does not believe in it. So he defects. He breaks Poe Dameron out. They take a Tie Fighter back to Jakku against Finn's wishes, because Finn just wants to run in order to go back and get the droid. Meanwhile, BB-8 the droid meets this girl who's an orphan and a scrap and a, and a junker on Jakku named Rey. Rey has something special about her. It's very obvious she's the the Jedi character. Rey and Finn reconnect. Poe disappears um, when they crash back on Jakku. They have the droid, they meet each other, and in the process, the First Order attacks the planet looking for BB-8, and they steal a ship. Surprise! The ship is the Millennium Falcon. The Millennium Falcon's signal is picked up by Han Solo's new ship, and he captures it introduces them, introduces himself to them and they say, Hey, this is an absolute Skywalker. And he goes, great. Now we have to get this to the resistance. Meanwhile, Finn is pretending to be a resistance person to impress Ray. Um, They run into a bunch of trouble, but eventually they end up on a planet with Maz Kanata's cantina. Maz is this, uh, you know, wise CGI character played by Lupita Nyong'o, who, uh, you know, essentially is like fun, but also cryptic. And essentially, uh, Finn tries to be like, cool, cool. I'll see you guys later. I'm going to run away. Ray, come, you can come with me, but I'm gonna run away. Ray is dealing with her connections to Han Solo and through the Force, um, and she finds, uh, Luke's lightsaber, um, they realize that the droid is there and the map is there, the First Order attacks and the Resistance catches up with them. Kylo Ren stumbles onto the planet, um, and finds Ray, uh, and essentially takes her captive because she's seen the map and he can just take it out of her head. And he also kind of gets that she's Force sensitive. Uh, the, Resistance, uh, essentially gets all the main characters back together in their resistance base, and they're going to launch an attack on Star Killer Base, which is essentially a planet-sized, um, a planet-sized Death Star. It had blown up other planets earlier, I forgot to include that in the synopsis. Um, so essentially Finn has to overcome his fear and return to Star Killer Base in order to, uh, save Rey. He's mostly in it to save Rey, not to help their resistance. Han Solo goes with, because he also has to take on the mission to save Rey, um, and so they start this mission, the Resistance backs them up by also planning an attack to destroy Starkiller base, they find Rey, we see Han Solo confront uh, Kylo Ren, and over the course of the movie, we've gotten, you know, little drops that, oh, this is actually their son, and his name is Ben Solo, as in he's named after Obi-Wan's other name. Um, they have this kind of confrontation because meanwhile, Kylo Ren this entire time is like, I must be more dark side than anyone else. And I have anger issues and I, I idolize Darth Vader and I'm going to be the best dark side ever. And Snoke, who we'll talk about, um, essentially is like, well, you know what you must do. And then we finally find out that apparently what he must do is kill his father. So he re- d- like, gets rid of that connection and becomes more powerful. And Han Solo kind of just lets him. So Han Solo dies, Chewie freaks out, everybody starts shooting each other. Uh, they all try to run away as they set charges and start to blow up Starkiller base. Kylo Ren tracks them down and is like, you're not going to beat me. I'm a badass. And so Finn goes toe to toe with him in order to save Rey. And then when Finn gets knocked out, Rey goes toe to toe with him and beats him. And he is flabbergasted. They get off of Starkiller base. They, the villains get off of Starkiller base. The entire thing explodes. And it's basically a new hope. Okay, cool. Let's do this.
0: I'm so sick of the, it's basically a new hope argument against this movie. No,
1: cause it's not. No, cause it's actually not. I had a lot of notes. I said that because of, as I was literally describing the plot points. Yes, it does chart in many ways, at least the ending charts as a new hope. And it's part of the whole cut, like criticism of this being nostalgia bait. That's a part of it. But I actually agree with you that it is not, in, it is not in itself a new hope. In fact, I think it's a. I think it's better than A New Hope in many ways. It is not an hard. improvement. Yeah, it's an improvement on A New Hope in many, many ways.
0: <laughs> I just love being shitty to A New Hope. <laughs> um it deserves it. A lot of movies uh,
1: in the 70s are bad. We were all it's <laughs> isn't that like a family guy joke where it's like that sounds gay. Yeah, we were all gay back then. Like that's that's what movies are in the 70s. It's like, yeah, we were all bad.
0: I don't know um so okay, where do notes help me
1: I can uh, how about how about how about this time around, I do the structure of the notes and then you say your stuff
0: I thought you were, and then you say you're sorry
1: <laughs> you don't get to say anything, you just apologize um, so so li- like I said, like we were saying, this shit was so exciting in twenty fifteen. And, like, we pick it apart now because Star Wars fans are the worst. But, like, this shit is so exciting. I still watch it and I go, yeah, no, this is kind of what I want. This is kind of what I want most of the time is this level of energy, this, like, sp- like, how do you feel about the pacing of this movie?
0: I think it it flirts with being a bit too quick because JJ. But yep. at, the, at the same time, for the most part, it's, it's okay. Like, right especially the scene to scene editing and the way that sometimes they they have a kind of rhythm of like, they'll go with the heroes and then go with the villains and go with the hero, like there's a bit of a rhythm to it uh, for a while. So
1: I think it's fine. So like a lot of my notes have a lot to do with like what they chose to keep and what they chose to subvert. Because when you were, when you were creating, when you, ha- when you break down like cool, We had Star Wars, it's the biggest thing that ever happened. We did the prequels, people hated them because we just let George do what he wanted. We have to essentially try to diagnose what people like about Star Wars and then give it to them. And so that means we got to turn sub knobs down and turn sub knobs up. And then when you get to The Last Jedi, the, what Ryan Johnson ends up doing, because it is the natural progression of things, and we'll get to that well in another episode, is go really hard even more on the subversion of what's expected. This movie flirts with subversion in many different ways that make it fresh, make it new, and make it exciting, but then keep certain other things. And sometimes they keep things because it's a good idea, and sometimes they keep things because they don't have another idea. That makes sense. I'll probably talk more about it, but I didn't want to keep talking.
0: Sure.
1: <laughs> I'm
0: very tired after. Yeah. Talking about Rogue One. <laughs> anyway, well I so again,
1: the one of the very first subversions is that the crawl happens and then we pan down on a planet. And you think, okay, is this the planet we're on? And then, no, you see the bottom shadow of a Star Destroyer and then ships coming down for it. And then you zip and there's another planet. And I'm like, that is something that has always been a fun thing for me in Star Wars is when you can play with the post crawl space visuals like that is what's fun to me and that's what gets me engaged because then you right off the bat you go hey hey, here's what you're expecting zoom we're gonna change it and then and then he peppers in a bunch of jj abrams shit like strobes and and lens flares and shit um and then we do that uh
0: first note for me uh so obviously the music and visuals are immediately the best in the entire series up to this point Mm -hmm. not even close Uh, This entire
1: opening sequence, until we go back to the Star Destroyer, is loaded with good shit.
0: Oh, yeah. Uh, Reestablishing the stormtroopers as a threat using visual language and having them, you know, hit shit and be threatening. Uh It may fall flat with series veterans, but newer folks will actually take these guys somewhat seriously.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. I think their redesign was a great choice to make them a little bit more menacing than the kind of dopey looking like breathing mask thing that we got in the original series. They look more like clones, but in a bad way. I I absolutely agree with that.
0: Um, I know they
1: kind of jostle his character around, but like Poe is cool. And like Oscar Isaac gives him like a lot of legitimacy to where I'm on board with him very quickly. He's very charming.
0: Literally. Uh, the first line of my next note, immediately, there's a charm that has been lacking
1: for a long time. (laughs) Exactly. And like, and like, there's a lot of really great moments in this from funny enough, both Kyro Kylo Ren and Poe, like Poe's line. I laughed so hard at the first time I ever heard it. And I would quote it to other people and like, you saw it. And then I do do the quote and then people would be like, "Uh uh-huh. Yeah. Um, you know how we do with new movies. Um, and so the you How does this work? You talk first. I talk first. Like that's great. That's that's a great moment.
0: Yeah, it's like it's kind of okay. Let me, let me finish the note. Immediately, there's a charm that has been lacking for a long time. A cheesiness to the earnestness that results in sincerity. Mm-hmm. So there's this moment uh, that I actually took this note with, where uh, Poe and the elder gentleman. The Elder Gentleman, played by Max von Sydow, uh where Poe goes, you have to hide, and then the camera shifts focus, you have to leave. And it's like, that is cheesy. But it's done just earnest enough to where it's like, yeah, but this is the cheese that's good. Right. This is like the nacho melted cheese that... You're just like, when you find out they have that, it's just like, oh,
1: yeah, give it to me. (laughs) Or we could go another way and talk about, like, the qualities of a camembert or a good Irish cheddar. Anyway. um, All right. Two worlds, one family. Um, (laughs) All right. (laughs) Here's the thing. Okay, so in this sequence, two other things are happening. You visually distinguish Finn before we even see his face by the other, by literally him holding his friend as one stormtrooper to another, and then physically marking him as someone you should be paying attention to. And I'm like, yes, that's just great, great storytelling using the medium of film. And then also, the only time that Kylo Ren is ever menacing is when he stops the bullet in midair and holds it the entire scene. I disagree. You think he's menacing in other parts? I'm being, I think I am being a little hyperbolic in this. I think he's less <laughs> menacing as the series goes on. Um, true. I think he gets to a, he gets to a point of menace in this, in this movie. And then he gets, and then he kind of undermines himself when he's going to Arabia I'm like, I can teach you. He sounds like, he sounds like a, like a, like a nerdy fuck boy. Um, of like I, I the things are better with me. Um
0: is the word you're looking for incel, Trevor? Yeah, it is. Yep, we'll get there. Yeah, when he's not
1: when he is not an incel, and he's an incel because of the script. He's an incel because the script is kind of written by men who are probably like by men under different circumstances, if they weren't Hollywood writers, would probably be incels. Um I don't actually know that to be truth about these writers, but you get where I'm going with this um anyway when he's not in incel kylo ren is actually pretty menacing and he has like moments of like being more charming in the last jedi and then he's just, just a dumpster fire when we get to the, the other one um <laughs> that i won't even say by name um but yeah anyway but i think the main point of my note here even if i'm being hyperbolic is that like he he's never been that menacing it's like no 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 but when we first see him right here with the mask on and he's stopping that bullet it's pretty cool then he's also sarcastic he like when uh Lars Ventecka is like, you'll never be Darth Vader, or you'll never be something 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 or no no no. It's uh your your family would be so proud or you're like you dishonor your family. I don't even know what the fuck he says. Anyway, I spent too much time on this. He looks at him and he just goes oh, you're so right, in a way that I'm like, oh, only Adam Driver could say it in that way. And he's sarcastic for a moment. I was just like, I really kind of wish they went that direction instead of an incel direction. I would have loved if he was snarky as fuck and a really big, powerful threat. It would have been a really refreshing thing for Star Wars, but no, they went with an incel thing.
0: Uh, my next note, uh, Kylo Ren is Very good. Uh, Von Sydow tries to get under his skin, but he persists with his interrogation, which is a very subtle thing I noticed of like, I think when he first touches down and they have their interaction, the first thing he says is, uh, where is it? And then Max von Sydow tries to like get him off balance and he just goes, he almost repeats himself. He's like, where is the map? And it's just like, and you know what? You know what? That's actually a nice little touch. It's like, yeah, I'm not falling for your tricks, old man. Come on. (laughs) Uh, And then like after he does the, uh, oh, I should just um, stopping a laser is chef's kiss for world for wordless storytelling. Mm -hmm. How do you show that a character is really strong in Star Wars when a bunch of characters have already been really strong in a couple different ways? literally just do something nobody's done before that probably somebody has thought of at least once. Well, not only that, but like
1: they remember it later in the scene. Like, Oh yeah. There, there are other movies that would just be like, he stopped it and then it just dissipated. But no, he's holding that, that entire scene. And then at the end he lets it go in and then it shoots forward and hits something else and just, and just blows it up. And I'm like, Oh yeah, no, that was really great choice to then remind us, like, oh, no, he's been holding that the entire time, baby.
0: Yep. Um, And, like, when he, when so many people get wrapped up in the whole Poe thing of, like, how's this work? Do you talk first? Do I talk first? That they ignore what, uh, what Kylo is doing, which is he's just sizing up the entire situation, sizing up Poe, and he's going, and I think one of the first things he says is, like, The old man gave the map to you, didn't he? He's just like he's just like letting everyone say whatever they want to say. He's just like casually calculating. He's like, I think he gave you the map, and he's like, they search him. He's like, he's like, there's nothing on him. He goes, all right, take him on the ship. I'm sure we can get some useful information out of you. And then, lo and behold, later on, he's like, oh, so you're like the number one pilot for the. For the resistance interesting
1: <laughs> yeah like, and if and if wow. he was to if he was tonally a little bit more like that where he was just like mocking him a little bit like he doesn't he kind of drifts away from mocking him in in this moment and then like he, they just completely drop the mockery in later movies by making him a Rah! person later um so
0: <laughs> also finally a fun rogue yep finally
1: uh, we get introduced to Phasma and Phasma is worse Boba Fett.
0: Technically, she's way better Boba Fett.
1: <laughs> Maybe? Te- I don't know.
0: Technically. because at t-
1: Actually, at the time, at the time, she was better Boba Fett and now we have a better, now we have a series with that, that guy, so.
0: I'm just saying from like, the amount of things that she actually, the amount of scream time that she actually gets to do things, <laughs> even if the things don't really matter, it's just like, I mean,
1: you've both existed to sell a toy.
0: <laughs> and like,
1: that's not, so not Gwendolyn Christie. She's great.
0: I wish she was able to do more, is the thing. Right. Because Gwendolyn Christie's kind of awesome.
1: You could have unified Phasma and Hux in so many ways and made them more pivotal.
0: Mm. I think the conversation of what to do more so with Phasma is more of a Last Jedi conversation. Because I kind of. Yep. Yeah, yeah, okay. I'm kind of like, you don't really have the time to give her exclusive stuff here. Uh, but yeah, no, you
1: could set up something to be like, mm, this character's going to play a pivotal role, but like later.
0: Yeah. Oh, uh, very subtle nod as well. Uh, Kylo genuinely ju- does notice that Finn has snapped out of his programming.
1: Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Which... He takes them. They have a moment where they exchange a look, both in masks,
0: which is not only interesting for this movie is also interesting for that shitty movie.
1: Yeah, and
0: because of shitty things that were done really shittily that were supposed to happen, but were never very clear about what actually happened.
1: This first 20 um, minutes sets us up for so much shit, and then they just don't do it. <laughs>
0: Oh, welcome to Star Wars. Uh, <laughs> like, Finn Finn is
1: set up with so much potential. Uh, so, yeah, my next note is when we see Rey, so. I think it's a missed
0: opportunity to not establish the First Order as more of the underdogs. Like, Yeah,
1: okay. Because then when they blow up all the planets, then it's more meaningful.
0: Well, not just that, because I think that shit's stupid. But, like, executing guerrilla warfare and hitting them strategically like i mean not to dance around this fucking bullshit like this is the son of general organa like they don't quite do that much with that information of like they they focus in on the so on the solo stuff but also wouldn't it be kind of gut wrenchingly heartbreakingly like logical that the son of the general kind of is just as good at picking apart his mother's like forces and also would maybe kind of be already familiar with how they work in general like that stuff would be kinda interesting also would be way more interesting if the first order is literally just made of volunteers that are like not volunteers, but like are more or less supported by people that don't agree with the new Republic and like get into a little bit of that stuff because you're, you're giving dance- way too
1: much credit to fascists.
0: No, no, no. I Because I don't personally, I don't care. I'm just thinking about like how it's like they want it so bad to have a rebellion part two. But Mm -hmm. the Resistance doesn't make that much sense.
1: Yeah, (laughs) exactly. I did introduce that as a hot second ago, yes. Yeah, like... It'd be one thing thing... if... Yeah, either the, the First Order has to be the underdog, or the First Order has to be already have taken out the New Republic.
0: Yeah, one of those two. And, like, maybe this is the movie that establishes how they took them down, which I think is what they're trying to do. But I... Let me move on. Um. Yeah, so now I'm at Ray as well.
1: Uh, the visuals here changed Star Wars. And someone can fight me on that. Like, when in the trailer, her speeder is going past a giant wrecked Star Destroyer in the sand... We had never seen anything like that with that crisp of a picture before, and it still holds up six years later. And that is a testament to the combination of practical effects and, like, and using CGI sparingly and in that case it might have also been a like piece of artwork that they used cgi on top of which again is something they're doing more and more now like it's it's called i forget what the, the name of it is they do it a lot in the mandalorian where like literally they will project an environment on led screens in front of the actor and then film that to create the environment i don't know how much of that they did with this movie but like that's a thing now that Star Wars was a part of like the visuals of the past six years of Star Wars have changed not only Star Wars, but cinema and people can fight me on that.
0: Uh Rey. Just Rey. There are so many things in her introduction, little tiny things that add up. It's horrendously underrated. There's so much good wordless storytelling in this fucking movie, especially the beginning, when they have to subtly introduce every character, but they can't just spell out their personalities. And it's almost as if they had a really good example of how to do that in this movie and then just didn't do it in Rogue One
1: yeah i had a note later on that's more or less like with the new trio and it's really only them like they do some telling with some other people but like they do a really good job of showing us and not telling us about these three like they put poe in situations where he can be dashing and charming and heroic and a great pilot They put Finn in situations where he's confronted with moral, with moral dilemmas that he's on one side of and he has to switch sides and then he has to choose whether or not he's going to run or do this or fake it or believe in himself. For Ray, they put her in a situation where she is destitute, where she has to keep bringing up hope and keeping and holding out hope that she is going to be rescued from this hell of a life down the line. And she is just an upstanding person in the process and they like you said they add that up for a little bit by bit by bit for each one of them to the point where everyone is really into these three people throughout this movie and going into the next one everyone
0: how can ray fly the falcon that's a plot hole meanwhile poe flies a tie fighter perfectly on the first try everyone silence
1: so, I actually have another note on this, which is about the the concept of subversion that I talked about. Now, like, this is one of the first instances where the reason it's interesting that Poe flies a TIE fighter, and it's not just some other ship, is because... Star Wars is inherently a melodrama. And when you're talking about melodrama, you're talking about absolute good and absolute evil and very little in between, which is why people got so mad at Ryan Johnson. Um, one of the reasons. But, like, one of the just the smallest subversions that makes it interesting and gets fans excited when they see that, when they see them steal a TIE fighter is that similar to how Good guys must have blue and green in these color rightsabers, and bad guys must have red. There is a dichotomy in Star Wars of you always see the villains in TIE Fighters, and you always see the heroes in X-Wings, that they then twist here. And that's what immediately makes it interesting, and it's those little knobs that make this movie a good response to all the vitriol and all the problems of previous movies. Not all of them, obviously this one has its own problems. But I, I had a moment there where I was just like, huh, interesting. It's also the first time we see anybody except General Grievous. I just I just remembered who it was, who we saw before. But when Finn uses the lightsaber against Kylo Ren and against uh, First uh, First Order forces, is the first time you see like, oh, hey, you don't just have to be a Force user to use a lightsaber. And we can get into Finn and the Force at a later point.
0: Uh, Technically, um, no.
1: When else do we see that?
0: uh han uses it to slice open the tauntaun and empire strikes back
1: but not like in battle yeah,
0: yeah that's why i said te- uh, yeah technically yeah yeah
1: but yeah and so anyway point being is like that that's, that that's one of the main things that occurred to me on this watch was oh yeah no they're subverting things you can talk about this being the nostalgia pump but what actually makes it interesting is that they're taking expectations and then they're subverting them in very small ways and very calculated ways
0: uh, the next one I have is by the time Ray and Finn have met.
1: Uh, I just think again, back to practical effects. The reason BB eight looks better than any droid in the prequels is because of the practical effects. BB 8 looking up at Ray, like he's a puppy dog is that way. And it works that way because he's a puppet, not because he's CGI. Um, and Bill Hader and Ben Schwartz do the beep, do the beeps for him, which makes him in a way he is more expressive than R2D2. Um, and I think that that like, works for him. The fact that we can tell that he's pouting or excited is a huge testament to the way they chose to execute BB-8 after years of of not... Of choosing to do it differently and i just find it funny the joke i had in my head is when when she says sure you can come along tonight and he goes woo and then he's beeping 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 as he follows her i was like oh he's essentially doing the donkey line from shrek of like we're gonna stay up late swap in manly stores and in the morning i'm making waffles
0: where do i sleep outside oh i, I guess that's fair hey. <laughs> you
1: don't
0: know me and i don't know you you know I'll sleep outside that's fine
1: Um, I also just want to acknowledge that another reason we build up on these characters and get characterizations is the camaraderie of coming into naming him Finn. Like, that's an important moment that I don't want to glaze over where it's like the kind of person Poe is, is like, no, man, you deserve a name and you deserve to be important. And that's who I am is because I'm going to lift you up in that way. And then Finn going, yeah, man. I really like that you see me as a person and I've never been, you're learning bits about me and I am feeling, I I, I am given a reason to keep fighting for this side of things instead of just running. And I'm given a reason to come back to things. Even when my instincts tell me to run because of moments like this with you. And that is an important moment to me.
0: Yeah. There's a lot of, there's a lot of great friendship beats in, between the three, the big three, mm-hmm. with the exception of Ray and Poe, which I guess there was no way to have them actually meet till the very end of Last Jedi, but it always felt kind of yeah, weird. Yeah, they
1: should have been friends. They should have <laughs> met Like, I know that she goes immediately to go for Luke at the end of this movie, but like-
0: Which I have thoughts on.
1: Maybe you could have waited on that, or at least been like several months later. It's been several months. It's time to go look for Luke. And you could just be like, cool, they've met each other, and here we go.
0: Um, the liar revealed is unnecessary, JJ.
1: Yeah, I knew you were going to say something about that. Fucking hate it. I I don't mind John Boyega's interpretation of it. I think it's kind of fun when he's like, yeah, you know, I, I'm with the resistance. I think he's actually kind of fun. I
0: don't, I don't like, you got a boyfriend, cute boyfriend.
1: Yeah, no, that didn't, that wasn't necessary, especially when you don't do anything with it.
0: Trevor Trevor don't Trevor don't get me started.
1: Yep, Trevor. Yep. I'm Because s- they have great oh. friendship moments like you said. I'm, so if I'm not going to get you started then I'm going to move on. Um uh wait what was I going to say? Uh
0: has the word boyfriend been used before this movie in nope. Star Wars? I don't think it has. Like I do remember even the first time I saw this movie I was like I literally had that thought I'm like did he just say boyfriend? <laughs> like, that's like saying texting. I'm just like, what? <laughs> Is that a thing in this universe? So, yeah, that's another thing of why I'm just like, okay. <laughs> okay, JJ. I mean, you just take a step back, bud.
1: So, so from the attack of the First Order, the TIE fighters shooting at them and then they steal the Falcon. From the moment she says the garbage will do and they reveal it, the entire sequence of them flying it and essentially like young people interacting with an old piece of technology and troubleshooting their way through it and using the Falcon in ways we at least, maybe Han has done it this way, but at least we have never seen it used in that way, is Chef's Kiss.
0: Fuck! I love that scene. I know! Oh, so good!
1: so good, Trevor. (laughs) It tells us so much. It's exciting to watch. It is a Ah! new extrapolation on an existing thing. It's amazing. Um, Next thing I have is when they meet Han.
0: (laughs) Uh, Do they have to meet Han?
1: Is this where it kind of falls apart for you? Uh,
0: It's not where it falls apart, but it is where, like, I think from post-crawl, because I Still have some thoughts about the crawl. But like, post-crawl to right before they meet Han, I think this movie is damn near perfect. Like, there's really not anything I could say about it. And then everything after that is like, okay, I have thoughts. <laughs> um. But man, yeah, the visuals, the music's good, the Antics, the thinking out louds, the oh, it's so good, Trevor. Oh, and then how they're like, like really cute and excited afterwards. They congratulate each other, and it's oh it's like the live action version of like when Simba and Nala see each other after the whole Akuna Matata thing, and they're just like, whoa,
1: oh my god. <laughs> well and not only that and then they have another scene where i mean given it's still a liar revealed scene but their interactions while she's fixing things and he she's just like that one right there he's like this one he's like no that one. This <laughs> one i'm pointing you we're gonna die it's a great scene
0: <laughs> i love that scene so it's so quick and small but i love that scene too
1: damn it i don't i'm really curious as to what you don't like about meeting han solo because i think everything on that ship is actually pretty fun the way that the way that the, that Ray he's being taken away by the Rath and uh he the 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 door cuts cuts off the limbs and she instead of admitting that she did it she goes that was lucky um like those things are fun um I like the teletakanja Club um I think that's a fun setup um I like when they're when they're like Han Solo the Rebellion General no the smuggler no
0: the Smuggler! I literally wrote that down <laughs> I wrote that
1: line down I was like that's great. <laughs> and like making Han Solo change that the change that happens in Han Solo is not that he's no longer a smuggler. And like you can make arguments about like, should he have gone back to this life, going back to the only thing he knows, yada, yada, um, is kind of annoying. But like making him a believer in the force after all that time was a good idea. Yeah. So people didn't like that.
0: Oh, well, they're dumb. Yeah, anyway. Uh, I, I primarily, like, okay. So, like, it's a general thing with the nostalgia parts of this movie where I'm like, some is good, a lot is annoying, and too much is bad. Like it's a delicate balance and it's sort of like the meeting of Han Solo is fine because these are characters that already are aware of Han Solo. And it's just like, that makes sense because I mean, of course. And the way that these two characters see him as a person, as an idea differently, that's also interesting. They don't really do much with it, but whatever um like you said him you know believing in the force and you know saying it's all true all of it after all the him and he did and a new hope about it being hokey um that is all fine but I need every single person that complained and bitched and moaned about Kanto bite to watch this Rathtar sequence on a loop for the rest of their lives it is There is one of these in every Star Wars movie, people. There is always Mm -hmm. one of these scenes where it's like, well, we've had a lot of talking for a while. I guess we should have an action sequence. So
1: I want to pick this apart. Pod racing. The factory scene. uh, What is it in Revenge of the Sith?
0: I actually would. I don't know about the pod racing scene being on the same level as everything else, though. Because it's very plot-relevant.
1: I mean, so is Canto Bite. Yes! Trevor. So is, you know... Yes, it is! <laughs> but... And then, so, like, what is it in Revenge of the Sith? Is it... I mean, would it be the hunt for General Grievous? I don't know. Uh, oh, yeah, uh, it's
0: absolutely the General... General Grievous as a character in general.
1: Yeah. Like, it's the sidetrack. And then in... And, and the then in the compactor. other one... What's up?
0: The trash compactor in a... Yeah, new home, yeah, yes. yeah. Uh,
1: in Empire, it would be... Uh, I mean, the asteroid. Yeah, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the asteroid. Yeah, the, the worm and the asteroid. Um, Revenge, or uh, Return of the Jedi, it's... Uh, I think you can... I don't think it would be too
0: far to just say the Ewoks as a whole, even though yeah, thematically yeah. they make sense.
1: Getting the, getting the Ewoks <laughs> Wait, on no. your side, that whole no, sequence...
0: No. Okay. Yeah. Oh, there's just a lot in Return because also Jabba's palace. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Like there's a lot of that shit in Return of the Jedi. And, and that's some why of these I don't are like Return of the Jedi.
1: And some of these are subplots, and some of these are action sequences.
0: But my my point is that like there's zero about the Tar sequence that I genuinely care about. But it's a thing. It just it fe- I feel the writer's hand going well, we should probably have an action sequence. Uh, Well, they just met Han. It's probably related to him owing somebody something. Excuse me. And then they just, you know, keep going with the movie because it didn't matter. I mean, like, it leads to the First Order knowing that, knowing to look for Han in the Millennium Falcon. Sure, but, I mean, the First Order was on Jakku. I know they killed the two TIE Fighters, but... There were also troops on the ground. Surely they knew that the girl was on the Millennium Falcon. I mean, it only stands to reason. Maybe they don't know about Han Solo. But then again, like Kylo Ren is a Force user. He would know Han Solo's on the station regardless. So it's just a thing.
1: On that, On the note, you know, to continue the note on, you know, Too much nostalgia is annoying. That's where I feel with Snoke and Starkiller base is
0: Starkiller base is the worst thing in this movie.
1: Yeah, especially because it's wildly impractical. If you need to absorb a sun that you orbit to actually use the weapon and you can't move the planet elsewhere to get to another star. That's a waste of time. It just, it reeks,
0: it re, it's like Andy from Toy Story wrote the fucking script at this point. Yeah, it's like, the same
1: game you're playing over and over again.
0: Well, I bring my attack dog with a force field. I bring my t- 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 T-Rex that eats force field dog. Like, oh my God. <laughs> it's like, well, it's like a Death Star but like way bigger and like way stronger. Like it's like, like it's like a hundred death stars.
1: And I'm like, okay. (laughs) And like it told, it, it created untold destruction. It destroyed several planets at once. But on the flip side, the death star could do that. It would just take more time. Like, yeah, the death star could have done what that did just in less, in more time. And even then, if it didn't have those structural flaws, it would have kept doing it forever. So, like, you know, um, you know, Starkiller Base is a waste of fucking time, and it just plunged its own planet into darkness with no source of energy, because also, what's everything in the planet powered by, if not by, like, solar power and shit? This is a stupid, st- stupid planet weapon, and it has one bullet, and you used it.
0: Remind me, but I believe in that shitty, awful, two-day-old piss stain of a movie, that uh they established that they had new star destroyers that had the power to kill to destroy planets that's a thing right yep so so could, why I, this is a star
1: wars why, problem <laughs> I,
0: why couldn't we just do that
1: because then you have one and then you have to destroy the factory but no you could also just not
0: destroy the factory like we, we're we essentially on, we're on the first movie they started with Starkiller Base they started it with this bullshit that's the thing that pisses me off I'm like Okay, if you build to the third final movie having Star Killer base, that's one thing. That's one thing. Starting it with this shit is the most Dragon Ball C Akira Toriyama bullshit that I can't stand seeing in my Star Wars. Star Wars is shitty for completely different reasons than this Shonen anime bullshit. What is this thing that you've done here? Why are the stakes so cartoonishly high on the first go-around? This doesn't make any fucking sense. Why did you do this, JJ? It's not like you... It's not like there were never gonna be an episode eight and nine, JJ. You didn't have to... Well, we might just get one, so let's put all our eggs in this one basket just in case. No! No! You asshole! I's Ooh, I can't wait! I can't wait for episode 9! I- Ah! Ooh, I'm gonna- I'm- Ooh, Jesus! Uh, my vocabulary is not sophisticated enough for the, for the immense words that I want to say to you. It's just gonna be a lot of expletives over and over again, and I'm better than that. So I'll have months to come up with some choice shit to say to you. Oh my god. I just... They could've just... They could've just... Had some bombings on some Republic buildings. That's really all you really all you needed to do, strategic assassinations of Republic leaders, was really all you needed for this first one, it's the first one, JJ, it's the first one, I'm sorry, do infants come out of the room running full speed and then learn to crawl, what,
1: ah, anyway, so Snoke is also too much of the old. And we'll talk about Snoke in much more detail on the other things. I'm sure but we in will. In this movie. In this movie, he is just an Emperor stand-in. And you don't really need it. In fact, I just came up while looking at my own notes with a better solution. So Kylo is even more delusional when I when I remembered that Anakin is now a light side force ghost. So when he looks at Vader's helmet, it's not like he's even tapping into the force to talk to his grandfather, which he can totally do. Like, he I, he obviously has the ability to do that. So what would have been actually more interesting, because they're always talking about, like, Snoke got to him, Snoke is influencing him, and I'm like, cool, then don't show me Snoke like the Emperor. Let Hux and Kylo be, like, the real leaders of the First Order, and then show me a, a fake Darth Vader ghost. A fake Darth Vader ghost that's, like, Yes, son, I am Darth Vader, and I'm guiding you. And then Kylo Rock walks away thinking it's real, and then the ghost shifts, and it's Snoke. I'm like, oh, that's actually interesting. He's actually being manipulated by somebody. And Snoke doesn't have to just be an Emperor Stand-In. It makes no sense.
0: It also could have, even if you choose to not reveal that here, that could be a nice little wrench for The Last Jedi, and it would
1: explain... You almost have to, though... You almost have to because then all anybody would talk about is like, Darth Vader wouldn't have appeared that way as a force goes blah, 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 like, blah. Like, people would have had things to say about it. You need you would need to hint yeah. that it's not really him.
0: I I don't think so. You could just go ahead and let – it's like how some YouTubers uh, will – it's like how – let me not be vague. It's like how sins. CinemaSins uh sometimes purposefully leaves in errors in their videos so that people will comment on it because when you comment on videos you're actually helping the youtuber even if it's negative video even if it's negative comments just having comments and engagement is what's going to get them more money and more attention and shit so i honestly I wouldn't mind just having this thing that purposefully doesn't make sense in the first movie just to watch Star Wars fans work themselves like <laughs> this is another wrestling term uh, work yourself into a shoot. Like I would just love to see Star Wars fans talk themselves all around the world about like why it's a Vader Force ghost and what what does it mean? And then the answer is in the next movie. You impatient
1: twats. But speaking of things that don't get answered in the next movie, I'm skipping all the way to Maz Kanata. Uh,
0: Interestingly enough, I did as
1: well. Okay, so, yeah, the next thing to decently talk about is, again, a J.J. Abrams thing. He has admitted to it in interviews. He writes shit with no plan. And I don't think you need to I don't think you need to have everything planned. Mystery box. But he his mystery box concept is terrible and he needs to stop doing it. Because Maz Kanata is literally a case of like, hey, you just cast this woman, as, you cast this as Lupita, and you set up a, a mystery box for her to be important, and be a part of the backstory and part of the future, and then you proceed to not have enough money to hire Lupita Nyong'o again. <laughs> so she's never in the rest of it. Um, like, that is easily the reason they fucking did it. it they, they, they fucking wrote her out. So they were just like, can we get Lupita? No? Okay. Um... <laughs> And then again, the vision that Ray has, you can chop it up to a force vision of fate. You can chop it up to Snoke manipulating her. Either way, the vision when she touches the lightsaber is a complete red herring because J.J. Abrams doesn't know how to plan shit.
0: Are you you going to elaborate on that accusation?
1: That it's a red herring? Yes. Yeah, because they throw in uh, a, a... you know, manipulated use of Alec Guinness's voice that it's his first her first steps. And there's no reason that Obi-Wan specifically would have a connection with her. There's a lot of things that she sees of like she sees the Knights of Ren uh, well before they're even established as a as a force. And they don't even get used until that last movie and not to great effect. Like he just was throwing shit at the wall. He was throwing interesting shit at the wall. And then they didn't use half of it. Nope. Yep. you're are you agreeing with me or you just wanted me No. To yeah
0: i'm i'm saying like no nope. <laughs> there's a bunch of shit that they establish and then just don't do anything with yep
1: and then they get back to the plot which is fine like then that battle pretty fine ray and finn have to confront specific things about themselves finn has to be brave and ray has to kind of Ray taps into the first time of to this rage inside of her. When she shoots that stormtrooper for the first time, she's like, oh my god, I just did it. Oh, I can do it again. And then she has rage on her face. It's very interesting that they haven't played that up and talked about that more in, in subsequent situations. And then we'll talk about Last Jedi, the difference of between Ray's enraged form of fighting versus Kylo's like calculated. Um it's very interesting that they started it right there.
0: Yeah, I think they were always gonna flirt with the whole so like subverted thing of, you know, usually it's the light user that it has to, what, whatever. I'm, I'm so there's, there's a certain point where I just, I don't like talking and don't like hearing my own voice anymore.
1: Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Um, Well, then let's, let's, do you have anything like really big for the rest of it? Cause everything else I have is, is just kind of fun shit. Because, I mean, from this point on, it then becomes, let's rescue Rey and get rid of the Starkiller base. And then it essentially becomes a lot of m- fun moments. And But then it really does play the exact, uh, play out in a, the same way in New Hope. A mentor character is killed by the main villain um, during a rescue mission for the lead female character. And they blow up the base at the end. That's what it is.
0: Except it also, it's like if you, it's like if you took elements from A New Hope and Empire Strikes Back.
1: Yes, I agree with that.
0: I will say, uh, in general, easy fix for the paradox of Finn being awoken from the death of a peer to kill all of, killing all of his peers. Um, Would have been neat if Finn was a stormtrooper that marched into Von Sydow's place. And he was like, you know, put him up. And Von side, I was like, you, there's something about you. I can tell your mind is clouded. And he just does a little Jedi thing and just takes off the programming.
1: Hmm. Interesting.
0: Because a lot of people have pointed out that it is kind of weird that the entire reason he snaps out of his programming is mourning the death of one of his stormtroopers one of the stormtrooper cohorts and then spends the rest of the trilogy killing stormtroopers. Like well,
1: I mean, he could have had a one brother in arms who felt the same way he did about the conditioning because I mean, to me to me the conditioning is probably just torture. I don't think it's the same as the clones where it's an implant in their brain or anything. Um like but
0: that doesn't because the stormtroopers don't really it doesn't seem like they have enough autonomy or personality to truly be, like,
1: free-thinking
0: people. It does seem like they run on more programming than actual thoughts and emotions. Because then it begs the question, I'm like, how is this the only Stormtrooper that has ever just snapped out of it or just decided to not do it?
1: And then they try to honor fans question of that in the last movie. But then it's like, you didn't give them this nearly enough time because this could have been another interesting plot throughout the entire trilogy, but you didn't do it. Yeah. 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 Anyway, when Kylo takes off his mask for the first time uh, with Ray, the first thought I had was Squidward going, Oh no, he's hot. Um, so
0: anyway, I fucking despise J.J. Abrams.
1: <laughs> I think the mind trick uh, scene is pretty fun. It makes it—it it, it was half. That was half the evidence of her being a Kenobi for the people, which I agree with. Um, it's funny that it's Daniel Craig because he was just on set. I find that fun. Um, that's not how the Force works. It's
0: probably Harrison's best line delivery delivery in the entire
1: movie entire series
0: (laughs) I mean damn okay
1: (laughs) I really like that line that's one of the best lines Um, I think it's I mean you know we could we could talk We could extend this episode longer if we really wanted to talk about should Han Solo have died, yada, yada, yada. But at the end of the day... Oh, I think he was a goner. Yeah, Han Solo had to die not because of character development, but because Harrison Ford was not doing more than one of these. Harrison Ford probably looked the producer dead in the eye and went, Listen, I'm not doing more than three weeks on set. Okay? (laughs) All right. Give me my family. (laughs) And I'm going to build a shed the whole time. And you're going to use it. And if you don't use it, it's a breach of contract. <laughs> get off my plane. <laughs> <laughs> my, literally, my last note is, I wonder if Chewie and Ben Solo had a relationship. Oh, oh, I'm sure they did. I'm sure that was part of the pain. Again, missed opportunity. I mean, given we don't get a uh, lot of Chewie's perspective on things.
0: Yeah, I mean, I will agree with that second part, but I don't
1: know where you fit in. It has to be coming from him. It has to come from him. Like, wait, is No, 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 it has to come from Kylo Ren. It has to come from Ben Ben Silver.
0: I think in that moment, to do anything with Chewie, like, that would be...
1: No, 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 I don't mean in this movie, I mean ever. Oh, oh, oh. Like, when he has Chewie as a captor, he probably understands Chewie. I would love a scene with them of Chewie yelling at him, being like, Who the fuck do you think you are? And he and Tim responding. That would have been interesting.
0: Yeah. The time to do that was the last one. The last movie.
1: Uh huh. And they had room. They spent enough time on everything else. (sighs) (sighs) So. So the truth of it is.
0: Overall, we like this movie. It is a very good
1: feeling movie. Yeah. Even with the bullshit. Uh-huh. It's it was to the point where it's like, like we said, the first 20 minutes are so well put together that, like, by the time you hit that hour mark where you're like, oh, wait, should I be annoyed by this? You're just, you're in it. You're in it and you're enjoying yourself. It's a blockbuster movie and it deserves to be.
0: I just, Ray and Finn have such good chemistry. Why the fuck? JJ, you son of a bitch. I'm so upset. What was the point? What was the point, JJ? You you single-handedly have made every interaction between Ray and Kylo uber weird now. In retrospect. And Ray and Finn are so good. Di- Daisy and John have such good friends fucking chemistry and for what I mean I would argue what
1: I would argue that 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 Daisy and Adam also have good chemistry no 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 no, not as romantic partners I think they are great in opposition to each other
0: I honestly don't uh.
1: I think they have a Goku Vegeta thing and I think Last Jedi proves that
0: I mean that that kind of hinges on if you think Kylo should have a redemption
1: well again i think we need another episode about that because i will i will i'm going to say this out right now you are absolutely allowed to bring up zuko when talking about redemption arcs when we talk about Kyler ren because what they said was a redemption arc what they tried to pass off as a redemption arc is bullshit um
0: also here's a fun little cheat for you kids at home uh here's a le- here's a nice little uh thing that you may not have known you don't have to redeem every goddamn villain he could have just used the last jedi to have just okay no more redemption like it's okay it's yeah it okay. it was
1: he had his moment and then ray made the, her choice and then he reacted the way he reacted you would have had to end the last jedi differently to make him to to keep that redemption art going. But Ryan Johnson very much was like, "No, no, no. We're not going to do that. We're not going to redeem him." And then JJ went, nah, "We're going to redeem him." Cuz
0: you know what? At this point in this context, that is the subversion.
1: Is that he doesn't get a redemption arc.
0: Is that he is that he doubles down. Like there's a reason Ray is crying in that scene, and it is not because she finds Adam Driver hot. She is not John Oliver. Like,
1: (laughs) naughty Kylo Ren.
0: Like, she's crying because it's like, God damn it, dude. Come on. You you can can just stop right here. And he just doesn't. And that is the... It's like,
1: Kylo, you're on the cusp of a real, actual, good revelation, which is you don't have to be like the past. And you can make it better... But not as a fascist.
0: Also, where are the Knights of Ren?
1: (laughs) Yeah. In a way, he makes the same mistake Anakin did. He thought the only way to fix the galaxy was to be its ruler. Instead of the Republic, the democracy!
0: I want so much to like this movie. I want so much to like this movie with no asterisk next to it. But J.J.'s stank.
1: Yep. It's almost like just
0: he, makes that hard.
1: It's almost like he got halfway through the movie and then he just couldn't help himself.
0: He just couldn't fucking help himself. Okay,
1: okay, you know. Yeah, I think it's time we wrap. <laughs> so, in in truth, <sighs> if people have anything to be frustrated about in this sequel trilogy, it's not Ryan Johnson's Last it Jedi. It's not
0: Ryan Johnson.
1: It's J.J. Abrams.
0: And we'll elaborate on that when we talk about The Last Jedi. Oh, for fuck's sake. Yeah,
1: literally, we're like, this is so tethered. The the way we think about this movie is so tethered to the rest of it now.
0: I think, yeah, you can't talk about any one of these sequel trilogy movies without talking about all three of them in some way.
1: And we're not even doing them back-to-back, motherfuckers. You're going to have to wait months. Yeah, sorry about
0: that. You are going to have to wait months. (laughs) Um, It'll be worth it. We
1: got some good shit in the middle.
0: So... Fuck's sake. I'm not even gonna ask you to let us know what you thought on social media for these.
1: Um Star Wars sequels. Big yawn, big stretch. We're tired. <laughs>
0: um but if you would like to follow us, we are uh, at, at Red Team Pod. Um you can also check out our website, redteampod.com. And uh I will go ahead and say it here. Sure. Fine. Why not? Um, we are doing uh, April and May very differently for a reject or renew. Uh, so your votes for these coming up things for March or whatever, that's going to be for June. Yeah. And all your, all your votes are going to accumulate. So that'll be interesting.
1: Yeah. Um... And I think you'll like what we're choosing to do there. They are. They fit with what we're doing for the rest of that month. And they are worthwhile subjects that we've been wanting to get to.
0: They're good ideas. Uh, so, yeah. This episode was long like I knew it would
1: be. <laughs> I mean, it's um, but here's the thing. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. It's clobbering time. Anyway, um, (laughs) the thing is, when we're done with this, we're kind of done with Star Wars if we want to be. I mean, yeah. Like, we don't have to do Book of Boba Fett. I I am still an advocate for doing select story arcs from the Clone Wars animated show. Because I think what they do with Ahsoka Tano at the end of that series is really great. I don't even care about like, oh, it gives more depth to Anakin. I don't ca- I don't even care about that. Um, I like the stories on. And so because that's what I did when The Mandalorian came out, I went, huh, what should I watch from The Clone Wars? Looked it up. There were maybe six arcs of three episodes each. And then I went, I have a greater appreciation for the show. I don't need the in-between episodes of the kitty stuff. I just want what's actually like good, relevant writing. The reason Dave Filoni has been given the keys. Um, And I'm like, okay, cool. I actually like these. So I would advocate we do that at some point. Doesn't have to be anytime soon. But after we're done with this trilogy, we're kind of up to date on Star Wars. Oh, boy. We will have finished a franchise. That's true. We're close to being up to date with Marvel.
0: Yeah, we're like, we're basically up to date at this point.
1: Like, like we will, we will get to the end of phase four in coverage here by the time phase four actually ends.
0: Yeah. So, uh, yeah, not asking for opinions on star Wars. So, uh, I have been <sighs>
1: TJ. I am Catalan. Um, Trevor Catalano, that one's not going to stick. <laughs> <laughs> that one's not going to stick in the way that, uh, that three, four sticks. Anyway, Bye, everybody, and uh,
0: stay tuned for crazy goodness uh, this month. Uh, it's gonna be very, very, very crazy and wild. And uh, stay tuned, stay tuned for a while. It will be a hot second until we uh, talk about Last Jedi. So, if you're interested, it'll be a, it'll be a sec, but we will get to it. So the uh, force
1: will be with you that day.
0: Yeah. Uh. So. You know, may the fourth be for s- 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 be with you, you know, yeah, totally. We may or may not have Molly. I don't know
1: yet, so <laughs> why would you why would you even make it so you might have to cut that? Why would you do that? Um, but podcasts are built on hope <laughs> okay, yeah, that was a good one, but let's end the podcast. <laughs>